0: Hello Church, my name is Juna, and we will now be reading today's passage from Acts chapter 1 verses 6 to 11. Please follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the reading of God's word. All right. Uh, Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome
1: to True North Church. My name is Jay Song, and I'm the lead pastor here, and it's wonderful to see you guys and glad to welcome you guys here as well. Uh, For those of you guys that are joining us for our picnic, um, the grass area is really wet in certain parts. My shoes, my socks are drenched. So uh, just warning you guys, okay? But have fun. (laughs) Um, Just on the sides. The middle's okay. So just letting you guys know. And your kids will probably get really wet, too. So... Uh, enjoy that. Uh, recently, I read an article on the Atlantic titled "The Age of Social Media Is Ending and it Never Should Have Begun." And I believe if you were here during our summer uh, summer guest ser- uh, guest sermon series, uh, Jeremy Treat either referenced this uh, this article or he was just kind of talking about the main point of it. Uh, but this article was really interesting, especially if you are older, kind of like you know my age and Gen X, where we saw really the evolution of the internet and social media and social networking. Um, But this article kind of just kind of really pinpointed this idea that uh, how social networks, it first began and then around 2009, according to this article, there was a transition where it became social media, right? And, um, you know, my first experience with the internet was when I was in high school. uh, And I I never had internet at home. That was unheard of back then. Uh, But my friend did have internet. He didn't have internet. He had an AOL account. So he got a free CD, AOL CD. And for those that are younger, like, the only way you can get online was you had to uh, put in a CD into your computer, connect to your phone line, and then be like, bing, bing, bong, 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 Gong, Dong. you know, like, make that sound for a little bit, and then you're on the internet. And uh, my first experience with the internet was we would just go into these AOL chat rooms, and it was really just, um, like, these random chat rooms, and before even the term trolling became real, that's all we did, we just troll people. Right? You just go on chat rooms and you just like, you know, talk smack and do that. And, and so the internet for me was never this idea of uh, to connect with people. It was just like a fun place to go and, and just, you know, be delinquents. But uh, later on when I got into college, um, there was internet in our college dorms. And this was the first time where I realized that the internet was abil- uh, the ability of the internet to be used to connect with others. So uh, first I got introduced to ICQ. Uh, it was like a, it's a messaging system where you message other people. And then they're like, oh, don't use ICQ, you got to use AIM. So AIM, I started using AIM. And you know, like, and it was it was awesome. You you meet people for the first time, and then you know, um, you know. Nowadays, kids say like, "What's your snap?" or "Can I get your?" You know, we we say, "What's your screen name?" and we would exchange screen names, and then we'd message each other. You meet new friends from different colleges, and you became you were able to connect with one another in that way. And after I graduated college, uh, it morphed into Zanga. Uh, Zanga was like a blog slash slash networking thing where you just kind of like you know write your thoughts, but then people give you. Um, Man, was it high fives? I forget what it was. Dang it, I forgot what it was. They give you stuff, right? They like your thing, right? Uh, and, then, and then MySpace, Friendster, and, and you know, it, it just became this thing where you started kind of networking with people, and then once Facebook came about, it was amazing because it was really this, fir- like the first time in forever where you were really able to connect with people that you had lost contact with you know, for many years. So for me, um, you know, people that I didn't, uh, that I haven't seen since middle school, people that I hadn't seen since high school. Uh, I was able to see, you know, connect with them later on in life and see that they got married and they had kids, and it was, it was a, a really wonderful time, and you know, being on Facebook was so amazing because I got to you know, connect with people that I, you know, I haven't seen in like 15 years. Um, the, now, the author of the article, he said it best. I'm gonna read his quote. He said this. He said, the toxicity of social media makes it easy to forget how truly magical this innovation felt when it was new. From 2004 to 2009, you could join Facebook, and anyone, everyone you'd ever known, including people you definitely lost track of, was right there, ready to connect or reconnect. The posts and photos I saw characterized my friends' changing lives, not the conspiracy theories that their unhinged friends had shared with them. And um, you know, for those that are younger, you guys are like, what are you talking about? Facebook was always dumb, uh, dumb right? It was always lame, but for people my age and, and older, Facebook was awesome. It was, I, you know, you really got to meet old friends. It was, it was an opportunity to, you know, see pictures of their kids. Like, you comment on their kids, and you comment on, like, you know, oh, first day of kindergarten, you're like, oh, awesome. You know, like, now you're not allowed to post anything, right? It's, like, uncool to post anything. There was a weird transition where, uh, you know, like, and, and it took me a while to figure it out, you know, because I'm older. Like, so, like, I'd meet new young people at church, and I'd be like, hey, great to meet you today. And then, like, there's no response, right? Like, what's going on? And, and literally, the, you know, people had to tell me, like, hey, like, People don't use you know, you, you can't post like happy birthday on someone's wall, right? And I have an older brother who still posts like happy birthday on people's walls. And I'd be like, hey, Brian, like, you got to stop that, man. Like, <laughs> you're bringing, you're bringing our, our family name down, you know? Like, it, it's, it's, it's weird because now it's all about consumption. It's all about content. It, it's really about what kind of content can you produce to be consumed by another human being. And, and I am the chief of all sinners, right? I don't know why, I, I still open up Facebook and it's purely out of habit, right? Uh, but now I'm only on TikTok because I, I just, the content is amazing. I can just watch video after video after video and the algorithm is, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's really scary because it just knows exactly what I want to watch. You know, and I keep watching, I keep watching. And the thing about TikTok is I don't, I don't friend anybody. And I have a weird screen name so that no one can know who I am. But then, you know, like, Cause, 'Cause TikTok's not about networking, it's just about watching content, right? And even on Instagram now, I'm just I, I don't care what my friends post. And sometimes when I'm on that I go, oh how dare I look at my friend. No, I just want to see the content that's out there, right? Because that's that's what social media is all about now. And I'm only on TikTok because I, I, I can, you know, kind of like act superior to my older friends who are only on Instagram. But like, dude, I saw that video like two weeks ago. You know? Like stop sending me old old material. But it's it's interesting because Whereas this idea of connecting with others was such a huge influence and a big deal for us not too long ago, now it's all about content, information dump. It's all about uh, you know platforming yourself. It's all about procuring the very picture that you want or the very video that you want, so that in the hopes that it might go viral, right? I only post a, a couple of videos on TikTok, hoping that it will go viral, but it, it never does, you know. And, not that I want it to go viral, but kinda, you know, but you know, we all have that, right? We don't want our videos to go viral, right? But so and, and here's the thing, like the, the culture of social media, it's really infiltrated a lot of different areas of our lives. Where now this idea of connecting with real people is no longer a top priority for us, but we see this idea of, of just dumping information or creating content or being consumers and, and, and even has infiltrated the church. The way that we view our idea of witnessing and evangelism, the, the, the way we see how ministries work oftentimes is no longer about a people-to-people connection, but it's really become about how can I platform myself or, or be an influencer or how can I be a person that will be able to uh, create content for the masses to see. Something that is entertaining, you know I, I saw a video clip recently that uh, Pastor Eugene sent me uh, this big mega church um, th- it was awesome, like they had lasers and lights and everything and and then they this the pastor was playing Super Mario Brothers on the big screen, and then it was like and then like and then they made his character as Super Mario, and he 's in the video game you know like and that was the sermon I was like dude that 's impressive how awesome that is, but it 's also kind of scary that we, we've turned into a group of people who desire to be entertained, who desire to be able to consume a content and, and media that will keep us engaged without really understanding that this idea that God had for us to be witnesses in this world was so that as human beings we can connect with one another. So now as we continue on in our sermon series uh, uh, with, our, with our vision of the church, uh, we're going to talk about what it means for us to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. So last week, we talked about what it meant to be us, our witnesses here in our Jerusalem. And now today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means for us to be witnesses in our community at large, and then witnesses to the ends of the earth and to the, to the rest of the world. So we're going to look at this idea of being witnesses, and we're going to see how even uh, in the church, before social media, before the internet, this idea of being witnesses was, was really kind of morphed into more of a information dump and less about connecting with people. That this idea of being witnesses became more about uh, presentations and and entertainment and less about connecting people to people with the hope that the love of God would be able to be expressed. So first point is this, I'm gonna talk about really the the traditional view of outreach and missions that maybe many of us uh, grew up with and we're gonna see how that has kinda really strayed away from what we see in the book of Acts. Then we're gonna talk about Uh, just how connections with people is really the main aim of our witness and then i want to give just a little little breakdown of what we hope to envision for our mission here at true north so point number one the traditional view of outreach and missions um to kind of give give you a context i'm going to explain what 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 my context comes from Uh, my first experience with missions and 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 outreach was in ninth grade uh, when i was in a freshman in high school our church went on a one week mission trip to Mexico and what we did was we did skits, uh, we did body worship. Uh, If you are not from like an Asian church background, body worship is basically dancing to slow Christian songs, okay, with just arms. Maybe a step, you know, maybe. Like if it's a little faster, you know? It's, it's, It's kind of a, I realize that this is not a broadly Christian thing; it's just more specific to uh, uh, Asian Americans. But it's, it's a weird thing. We did that, and we put on VBS, Vacation Bible sc- uh, Schools, for the kids. And I have some vague memories of this trip. Um, it, I ate the best fish tacos of my life at that time, um, and, but I cannot make out a single face, and I don't even remember the people that I went on the trip with from my church, besides my brother. And uh, you know, and 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 don't get me wrong, this this one week that i spent was amazing i i i remember not the exact emotions but i do remember that the emotions i felt were amazing but the attitude in which or even just the 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 content or 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 the the you know kind of like the idea of this mission trip that was presented to me and that was taught to us is that we were going from a place of haves and prestige and going into a place that may not have the same benefits and, and same privileges that I, we had and that we are going to provide a service. So it was this understanding or this idea that here we are in Southern California, Orange County, with everything that we'd ever wanted in life, living in the upper middle class life and we're gonna go into Mexico, our neighboring country, into a neighborhood that does not have what we have and we're gonna provide them with a glimpse of what they can have. You know, it's a very kind of like a crusader mentality that we had, right? It's this idea that uh, perhaps we coming from uh, you know, the United States that we have more to give and that we have all the right answers and therefore everyone else around us, they should give us their attention and that we will provide them with the goods. And the goods weren't even that good. You know, like skits performed by high school students, like, like that was, that's the most gut-wrenching awkward thing that you can probably watch, right? Uh, weird dances, and then vacation Bible. Uh, you, you know, you can kind of paint the picture, right? And, and all throughout my Christian life, um, this idea of outreach and missions was always kind of communicated. So we would do homeless outreach where we'd go out, you know, kind of to areas around our, around our community where homeless people would gather and we'd provide breakfast. And, and, and that in itself is good, but the attitude or this idea that we had that this is what we should do because we are now providing a service, but in terms of making connections with the people, that was, that was unheard of. Like, what do we have in common? Are we going to hang out? Are we going to invite them over to our our place? Absolutely not. We're just going to be here to give them some hot dogs, give them some breakfast, and maybe some socks during the winter, and boom, we're out of there. So even in college and post-college, most of my mission trips were spent with this type of attitude. Uh, And again, it's not outwardly, right? We weren't outwardly saying, hey, we're better than everyone, so therefore, we're going to go here and and do this. But it was like these subtle messages and the subtle ideas that the purpose of outreach and missions was that here we are, we have all the, the goods, and we want to procure them to people who are less fortunate than us. There was no real connections. There were no real relationships. In college and post-college, I went on nine summer mission trips. Hey, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of summer mission trips I went on. You know? So for nine years, I went on summer mission trips, and uh, I can tell you that I have relationships with nobody that I met there. No. And, and if we can be honest with ourselves, and if you've been on a summer mission trip before, and, and the reality is, is now it's kind of a business for these Christian ministries to, to provide the best summer mission trip possible. And it's almost kind of like a glorified retreat, right? And because of the experiences that we had as we grow, we want our children possibly to experience those things. So we might look for churches church and be like, hey, can we go, we're going to go on a mission trip? You know, and, so, and, and again, not to say that summer mission trips are bad, but perhaps we've lost our aim. Perhaps we've lost the main reason and the main goal of why we do these things. Because what Jesus proclaimed for us is that we will be witnesses. We will be people who will make connections with with others with the hopes of sharing with them who Jesus is. Not just so that we can have an experience of altruism not just so that we can feel good about ourselves, not just so we can feel that we've accomplished something or provided a service to those that are less fortunate than us, but that we, along with everyone else in this world, that we are all created in God's image, seeking connections with one another. Now, the reason why I believe that oftentimes we have fallen into this idea of what a witness is, is because oftentimes um, what is highlighted in churches are the passages in the Bible that fit this mode while ignoring the less glamorous descriptions of what witnessing looks like. All right, so oftentimes when we can look at the book of Acts, we might highlight Apostle Peter's sermon at, at Pentecost where thousands of people came to know Christ. And off, it's often in this, in this mode where it's like one person standing up on stage, and I know I, I, ironic, right, but one person standing up on stage giving this powerful message, and then thousands of people coming to know Christ. And if you are my age or older, we, under, you know, we, we grew up in the context of, of the Billy Graham the Harvest Crusades where we'd fill baseball stadiums and football stadiums and they'd have Christian bands play. Billy Graham would give a message and then he would invite everyone else onto the field to accept Jesus Christ. I would, I, you know how many times I went on the field? Like five times. Because I want to go on the base, I want to see what a professional baseball grass felt like. You know, but, and we think that that was the main mode in which God desires for us to be witnesses when in reality those are the special modes the normative way in which we minister and witness to others is to the close intimate connections and relationships that we are able to build so in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this and I, and I think this is a much more better picture of what ministering and real, and connecting with others looks like. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and, and and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were gathered together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as as any had need. This is not very glamorous. Right, but but outside of Apostle Peter's sermon after Pentecost, uh, it be, you know, in between Stephen's martyrdom, we have the everyday normal witnessing of the saints here in the Book of Acts, that they gathered together daily, that they broke bread, that they spent time together, that they shared their resources, that they really lived life with one another, and I believe that the connection that connections. Should really be the aim of our witness. The goal of our witnessing to the people outside of the walls of church is through deep and intimate connections. Now, oftentimes, um, when we look at Jesus' ministry, uh, the ministry of Jesus is often highlighted where he's like speaking to the crowd, right, where he's feeding the 5,000 where he is, he is, you know, debating with the Pharisees, he's in the synagogue, and there's a large crowd gathering, and you think that, you know, all of his ministries were, were perhaps just him speaking into a crowd, and, and then, boom, they take him backstage now, you know, and bring him back onto stage for an encore. You know, like, we, we have this very presentation-oriented idea of what ministry and evangelism looks like. But in the Gospels, what's highlighted are the main stories, and in between those main stories are, is the normative way in which Jesus spent three years every day with his disciples and those that he was close with. And even in the times when he would have intimate relationships or intimate conversations and, and, you know, kind of encounters with certain people, it was never Jesus kind of just dumping information and be like, hey, where do you think you're going go you go to go when you die? Like, are you going to go to heaven or hell? and and here's the the Roman road here are the four spiritual laws boom now you believe come follow me it it was it was really a a kind of a surgical dissection of the context that they were in and his godly ability to be able to connect with them at a level that was unmatched now um, I don't like speaking on this passage because it kind of triggers me and you'll see why, but uh, Luke chapter 19, verse one through 10, we we see a little uh, uh, kind of example of Jesus doing this. In Luke chapter 19, verse one through 10, I'll read. It says this, he entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the ha- half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since uh, he also is a son of Abraham. And the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Uh, I performed the wedding yesterday, and um, the groom is pretty tall, and um, and then I sat down for the reception, and then the people that I sat down with I was like, "Oh, how do you know song?" Like, and then I was like, "Oh, I did the wedding." They're like, "Oh, it was you?" Because they couldn't see me, right? <laughs> um, and the reason why I don't like preaching on this passage is because you know, you know, in college, my friends be like, "Ah, oh, you're Zacchaeus," you know, like, oh, yeah. I get it." Okay. Anyways, but but here's the thing: here's a tax collector. Here is a man who, by Jewish accounts, was shunned based on his occupation. He was basically seen as a traitor to his people. He has heard about Jesus. He goes and climbs a tree because he just wants to get a glimpse of this man. So even before an encounter, he knows that there's something special about Jesus. Jesus, you know, because he's God, he knows that Zacchaeus is up on that tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now this might not seem like anything to us, but what we have to understand is that in the Jewish culture, and the customs, that eating and dining together and staying at someone's house was one of the deepest intimate things that you can do with somebody. The reason why the Jewish people were not allowed to eat with Gentiles. The reason why the Jewish people said that they, can, that they were not allowed to eat with anyone that is unclean, anyone that had leprosy, anyone that had some sort of disease or illness, or anyone that was in sin was because the connection that one would make from sharing a meal together was so intimate that they would not want that to occur. So when Jesus calls down Zacchaeus, a tax collector, Someone whom the Jewish people would see as a traitor and possibly unclean. One who probably was not uh, accepted into the synagogue based on his occupation and therefore was not able to, uh, you know, give offerings for his sin. Someone who was outcasted by his very uh, people. Jesus says, come down for today I am going to stay at your house. He did not start off with, hey Zacchaeus, tell me about the Ten Commandments. Tell me what you believe about God the Father. Tell me what you believe about Moses the Pentateuch. No, he said, let me first connect and build a relationship with you. Now, I'm sure that in this time of of, of connection, that Jesus was able to to say some very wise and truthful and and heart-penetrating things. It's not recorded, but I'm sure it was, because what, what we see is the result where now Zacchaeus repents. He says he's going to return everything that he has ever defrauded anyone of fourfold so we, we see a change in this man's life based on the connection that he was able to make with Jesus Christ this was a normative way in which Jesus witnessed this also occurs in Paul's ministry even with Apostle Paul we think that he you know we believe that he's the greatest missionary he he planted churches all over the world not all over the world all over you know Europe and Africa in the Middle East but the way that he was able to do this was not by going from church to church one month at a time he would spend years there and he would spend years there he would build connections with people he would build relationships with people and we see this even in Acts chapter 18 verse 1 after this Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade, and he reasoned the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Okay, here's an example of Apostle Paul, not going into a city and just like performing miracles and healing people and like doing a presentation and being like, ta-da, you know, now believe in Jesus, here he is going into a new place, meeting and building relationships with Priscilla and Aquila, right, being tent makers to get, they, they were co-workers. And as they were working together, building connections and relationships, and then on top of that, then going to the synagogue to build more relationships with people to have conversations about who Jesus is if we believe that evangelism and witnessing and being a witness in in our life is only for the special christians the pastors and the and the missionaries then then what is paul doing he's telling he's showing us all right now that your workplaces can be the perfect opportunity where you can make connections and and again again it's not connections because you want to proselytize i can never say that word but convert people right but connections because that is what god desires for us to do What has happened in many churches, and ours included, is that we have forgotten that the main goal and the main aim of our witness, our call to be witnesses, is not that we can be presenters and content creators, is that we can be people who can connect with others. Because we're all made and created in the image of God. When we read Apostle Paul's letters, we see evidence of his relationships that he formed. Because he expresses deep love for the churches that he writes to. Not only does he express deep love, but sometimes he, he, he you, know, quote, you know, talks about people by name. And on top of that, he even rebukes some churches. It's hard to rebuke a church unless you really love them, right? And when you read his letters to the Galatians, the Corinthians, he's really rebuking them out of love because he has a deep connection and relationship with them. That should be the aim when we think about what it means to be witnesses in our Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So now, what is our plan for our church? What is our plan for us here at True North? Uh, uh, what is the vision that we have when we think about missions at True North? Now, number one, um, what I envision is that we become a church that f- seeks to build relationships and connections with the people in our community, okay? Now, here's the thing. We often say we're, all, we're, we're too busy. When I first came here to the Bay Area, there was a level of deference I had to to tech workers. Like, wow, you guys studied hard. You guys, you know, got awesome jobs. So like, I I really don't wanna like bother you guys, you know, like kind of follow Jesus and kind of, you know, but you still do good at your job. But, you know, I I think that's all bogus because the pandemic really proved how much time you guys really have, okay? Absolutely, right? If you guys can work remotely and then play golf on the weekdays, and then, you know, go hiking and, you know, like, try all these food. Like, you guys have all the time in the world, right? And the thing is, is the culture, in our culture, we have made it um, kind of like a, a, a badge of honor to talk about how busy we are, right? It's like, the busier you are, like, the, the more prestigious you are. Like, you're like hey, how was your week? Oh, I'm so busy, you know, like, yeah, and I realize it's all bogus, too. It just means that we're really bad at managing our time. Because when I talk to you guys, and, I, and again, I'm talking to myself too, and I talk about your hobbies and what you do, it's like, oh yeah, have you watched this show? Oh, yeah, I watched that show. Have you, oh yeah, I've seen that show. Oh yeah, I've heard that podcast. Oh yeah, I, I've 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 seen that movie. You know, like and it's like every Korean drama out there, like there's so many now. You know, like every hit show that's out there, every podcast, every documentary, we've consumed it all. And not only that, the little thirty-second, minute clips on TikTok or Instagram, we've seen it all. You know, like, because cause I, I try to share, like, funny things to people and, like, no one responds to me anymore because I know they've seen it already. Right? We have time. We are not too busy. And parents, and again, I, I'm a parent. I got three kids. They're all young. Um, it's busy, right? But I'll be very honest. We make ourselves busy. Okay? We make ourselves busy by all the programs and the sports and the things that we want our kids to do because we want them to have the things that we didn't have or we think that they need to be a part of all these things in order to be successful, to get into a good college and do all these things. The only reason why we are busy is because we make ourselves busy. The only reason why we say we're too busy is because we choose what we want to spend our time on. And the things that we don't want to spend time on are often the things that God wants us to spend our time on. If we are unwilling to follow the command that God has for us, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, the only rational excuse that we can say is because we desire not to be obedient. We wanna live our lives for our own own selves. So now, let me get off my high horse there real quick. Connections is what God has called us to. The church, we have dumbed it down to just programs. So even a church that might be very robust in their outreach and missions, oftentimes it's mainly just programs of, hey, on, during this season you can serve at a, 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 a food kitchen. During this season you can provide a care package for, for people without you know, fathers who are, or you know, parents who are in prison for Christmas. We have all these things, but there's very little connections to actual people. And our witness cannot be just uh, uh, providing services or sending money. But it's about how can we build relationships with the people that God has placed in our lives. Now our, our, our outreach ministry is doing a great job of connecting us with Hope Horizon, and I believe that's a f- great first step. But if, it's, if we stop just at providing one Saturday every six months of our time, then that's not real witnessing. That's just us doing the bare minimum so we can feel good about ourselves. But if we are able to build relationships with the people that are serving in that ministry and hopefully later to be building relationships with the people that are being served in that ministry, awesome. Awesome. That's a great way for us to do so. But also, even in your own personal lives, you have wonderful opportunities to build relationships and connect with the people around you. Now, uh, I didn't realize how introverted I was until uh, I got older. But uh, you know, I, 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 I could, I say this all the time, but you know, that first year of the pandemic, dude, that was, that was heaven for me, right? Because I just didn't have to connect with anybody. So, and that kind of spilled over uh, to, to my life. So once I started going back to the gym and, and like, I didn't want to talk to anybody so there's a special corner in the gym that I work out with that has the most space and that is completely away from everybody. And people at the gym probably thought I was a, like a jerk because I never said hi, I didn't do anything, right? The only reason why is because Fred goes there and then he like talks to everybody. And so like he would introduce me to people. Um, but slowly I'm like trying to connect with people, right? And I never wanted them to know that I was a pastor. Why? Because I didn't want to be awkward. But now people found out because of Fred. And... Um, <laughs> And 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 the thing is, is like as you slowly build these connections as you slowly build these relationships, people will come approach me, and ask me questions. You know, uh, when when things are difficult in their lives, they'll come to me and be like, "Hey, I heard you're a pastor." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Hey, can we grab coffee?" I was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah," you know. <laughs> and 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 this this one this one guy is like, "Hey, um, my fiance has cancer." And I'm like, oh shoot, good thing I took this coffee. You know what I mean, but like, and, and, and I, like, I would have never made that connection with that guy if I didn't put myself out there, right? Um, and and even, even now, once I, now that I'm starting Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, like, now I'm, I'm putting myself more out there. I'm trying to be all like, oh, hey, how's it, you know, this small talk and stuff like that. and. and and But those are the opportunities where it's not we're going in there with a mission to convert them, but we, we we desire to make connections with people because that is what God desires for us. And eventually down the line, who knows what may happen? There might be an opportunity for you to share, or there might be an opportunity where they desire to share about themselves or, or ask you questions. And I think this is the best form of witnessing that we can have in our culture today. Because we are a post-Christian nation. Gone are the days where we just, you know, present and and build the biggest, best show that we can and people are gonna come, no, that's not gonna happen. We have to be the ones who go out and build these relationships with people in order to eventually have the opportunity to share with them who Jesus is. Um, What I envision for the church in terms of extending and seeking to connect with uh, the rest of the world is that we hope to make connections with missionaries and their ministries so what does that look like Uh, I believe number one um, by next year we should have at least one or two uh, full-time missionaries that we support as a church and not just sending money to them but where they can give us reports where where we can watch videos and then where we at least as a church would know what they look like and what they're doing what their names are so that there would be relationships built with them not for the purpose of sending teams to them only if they want Okay. We can send teams, but that's not our main goal. Our main goal is that we will build relationships with them. I'm going to be visiting a missionary uh, in Indonesia soon, and hopefully uh, that's somebody that we can connect with as a church. I don't have all the answers. I'm just going to paint you a big, broad picture. Right? But, and together I hope that we can figure out, well, what is the best way for our church to actually understand the vision and the mission that God has, To be witnesses in this world in this culture I believe evangelism and mission is very different in our culture now than it was even 10 20 years ago and for us to continue to do what we've been taught to do it's not going to be as effective now as we continue on our service uh, we're going to continue on with uh, um, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and Communion now um, the front is, is wine for those uh, that would like to take wine, and the back we have, we have juice. Uh, but as we talk about communion, I wanna kind of tell this uh, story. Again, uh, the internet is not always bad because I saw this on TikTok. Um, but I wanna share the story of, of what communion is about. Okay? So when a Hebrew boy uh, wants to marry a Hebrew girl, they will negotiate the bride's price. Um, the boy will sit down with the girl in front of the entire family, and the boy will offer up a, a cup of wine saying, this is my covenant to take you, uh, this is my covenant if you take and drink. If the girl drinks from it, uh, it's like her saying, yeah, I, I do, I accept your proposal. Uh, if she does drink from that cup, then uh, the girl will go off back to her home, and the boy would go back to his father's house uh, to build an additional room so that they can get married and live in that room. Right? Uh, they are not allowed to see each other during that time, uh, but the boy would be able to send his best man to communicate to her on his behalf. So if there's any, anything that he needs to communicate, he would send his best man on his behalf. Um, at a certain point, when the father sees that the room is, is completed or is good enough, he will look at his son and he will say, Hey, son, you are done building. Go gather your groomsmen and bring your bride and we will feast. Now, Jesus, he takes his disciples. He sits them down in a room. And with a cup of wine, he says, this is my covenant, you take and you drink. And he says, I am going to go to my father's house to prepare a room. He says, there's many, many rooms, many mansions in my father's house, but I'm going specifically to prepare those rooms, and when I'm, when I'm done, I will return. He says, but don't worry, while I'm gone, I'm going to send you my best man, the Holy Spirit, so that you are not alone, and he will be there to communicate to you on my behalf. And when the rooms are completed god the father will look at his son and he will say son go and receive your bride he will gather up the angels he will blow the ram's horns and he will come and receive his bride when we take communion this is a ratification and a reminder of the fact that jesus is our groom and the church is his bride when we take the cup and we drink we are ratifying this covenant saying that i have Promise myself to the groom Jesus Christ. And we await the return of our groom to come and receive his bride. That we await the day when the Father will finally say to Jesus, Go and receive the church. So when you take the wine, when you take the bread, it is a reminder of that. It is a joyous occasion. It is an occasion of celebration. It is an, an occasion to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ.